Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. I'm here with Sarah Huron. Hello, hello. Travis Cronin. Hey. Gwen Flamberg. Well, hello. And I'm your host, Brody Brown. Thank you for joining us again. You can listen on Spotify, tune in on iTunes, blare us from your boombox, slam us down like a whiskey on the rocks. Basically, enjoy this podcast however you choose to enjoy it. But we are grateful you're back again for another juicy dive into all the most notable news of the week. We started a dialogue on our last week's podcast and in our culture that will continue on this week's episode as our world moves forward after the police shootings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, and so many other Black people sparked outrage that manifested in protests and a movement that we're beginning to see some effect, some small, exciting changes. And of course, these changes pertain to us in the world of celebrity entertainment and here at Us Weekly. Last week, there was Leah Michelle, of course, giving her not-fantastic apology that relied heavily on blaming it on a perception problem after Samantha Ware accused Leah of subjecting her to traumatic microaggressions and saying she'd shit in her wig on Glee. This week, we've got poorly executed apologies from former, that's right, former Vanderpump Rules stars Stassi Schroeder and Kristen Doty. We've got a thoughtful apology from Arrested Development star Aaliyah Shawkat, the same gal people think is dating Brad Pitt, one can hope. We've got apologies from TV stars for past transgressions that are coming a little too late as they're still being axed from their shows. We've got more celebs out in the streets, Bachelor people drawing lines in the sand, Rachel Lindsay taking a stand. And of course, we're also trying to answer questions that are keeping you, listeners, and us up at night. Did Kendall Jenner really Photoshop a Black Lives Matter poster into her hands? Is there anyone more confusing to follow on Instagram than Amanda Bynes? Who will save us from Aaron Carter or Aaron Carter from Aaron Carter? Is anyone older than Prince Philip? Is JK Rowling trying to get us to dust off our old Harry Potter books and toss them into a bonfire? Did Iggy Azalea really need to keep the fact that she had a son a secret? Just kidding. We're not even getting into that mess. But we do have an interview at the end of the podcast. Sarah talked to the Lady Gang team. That's Kelty Knight, Becca Tobin, and Jack Vanek because they now have a book. But before we dive into all that news, first we're going to set intentions as we do every week. Asking celebrities to start doing things or stop doing them. Baby girl, Sarah, here on who's your intention for this week? Well, first of all, Brody, what an intro. Really Thank just you. impressive stuff. Trying to um, lay it out. Yeah, you touched upon Prince Philip, the one, the only, and he turned 99. And I just want to say, one, congratulations. And two, my intention is for them to start planning the 100th birthday bash. Let's keep it going. That's true. I think that'd be nice. And uh, hopefully the ruckus of a birthday bash wouldn't be adverse for his health because he's, you know, doesn't look like a spring chicken, but that's to be expected at 99. But how great was it that we got a photo of him and, love, and Elizabeth? Love the photo. Love love the confirmation that they're still together because, you know, he usually stays at a different house. I almost brought back our celebrity birthday boxing extravaganza segment this week. But I was like, we can't put him up into an imaginary fight against anyone. It wouldn't be fair. And I wanted to have him fight J.K. Rowling and win. But oh. her birthday is not until July and we'll get to her mess later. But Travis, who's your intention for this week? Mine is for Heather Graham. 
star Ooh. of movies and not for a long time been a star in movies, but she posted on Instagram and Page Six and Daily Mail posted a bunch of the photos of her in this white bikini and she is just shredded. Her body looks Travis, great. Her abs Travis, look great. Gwen. Travis. Can you read all I about could, it on usmagazine.com slash stylist? If I could alert our listeners, oh. we had a gallery that we posted yesterday pivoting off that white bikini with every bikini picture of Heather Graham since Boogie Nights in 1997 to prove that Heather Graham, who is 50 years old, her body has not changed. Go to usmagazine.com slash stylish and check it out. She is smoking hot. Oh my God, Gwen, I am actually now currently on usmagazine.com slash stylish clicking through all these bikini photos. And my intention yeah. for her is to post more of them. Yeah, She posted two of them and there's paparazzi shots, but damn if she is not so good looking. And I'm just proud. That's all. I'm just proud. Me too. Gwen and Travis, did you conspire on that stylish plug? <laughs> no, I really just <laughs> like Heather Graham's Instagram. When I heard Travis mention that his intention was for Heather Graham, I had to point out to him of that course. he could have seen it of on course. Us Weekly First. Of <laughs> course, of Daily course. Mail plug. What's that about? Yeah, please. Oh, yeah, they don't need it. Forget I said it. Gwen, who's your intention for? My intention is for Duchess Kate, also known as Kate Middleton. Everybody loves her. I love her even more. And here's my intention. She has been doing a bunch of Zoom calls during lockdown. And she has been wearing things that she has worn before. So Kate Middleton, she's just like us. She re-wears her clothes. Yesterday, she wore this amazing red top. That was not a re-wear. But the earrings, the gold tooth earrings that she was wearing, that are about 185 pounds, so about $200, $210, where the conversion is now, were a pair of earrings that she often wears. And a couple days before that, she wore a white lace blouse that she has worn um, several times before, most notably at last year's Chelsea Flower Show, and accessorized them with some dainty hoop earrings that she wears very often. So I just love that Kate is going back to her just like us roots. When Meghan Markle came on the scene, when she and Harry were first married, I feel like Kate felt some pressure to kind of like up her style game and she was wearing a lot of designer things. Well, I am so happy to see her going back to wearing affordable things that everybody can afford and buy. And I just, I love Kate. Keep it up, Kate. Yeah, it's a Chico's kind of day for Kate Middleton. When that that conversion rate math, so impressive. I know. Yeah, we well, you know I'm, I'm like obsessed with all things London. I would like to move. You're fancy like that. My intention is for Demi Lovato. We did a podcast here in the middle of April talking about Demi's man Max wanting to propose to her. We have got a great scoop on usmagazine.com today. How's that for a little plug? Exclusive scoop that Max actually has the ring. Um, the ring is either from a family heirloom or a necklace that Demi owned per our source. So Demi knows that they've been talking about it, obviously, and their family is really, both of their families are really excited. And our sources have said that he'll likely propose within the next couple of months, but when quarantine is over and the rock is huge wait so did he like borrow her necklace without her knowing no she knew she gave it with her consent because she was like yeah i want to i want you to put a ring on my finger but i want it to be my ring on my finger what is your intention are you are you for this my intention thank you for clarifying (laughs) and helping me clarify i want them to take their time please don't rush i my my sage advice is someone who's been in a lot of serious and fast-moving relationships at least wait for a full cycle of seasons to determine <laughs> if you want to take it to the next step. Like it. That's but stage now, advice, Brody. Stage. Thank you, thank you. I try, I try sometimes to have my head screwed on tight. <laughs> let's let's dive into some news. And of course, the protests are still going on after George Floyd's death last month. We've seen lots of new stars and some of the same stars out. Ariana Grande has been back out. Sophie Turner with her baby bump. And Joe Jonas, her husband, have been at a Black Lives Matter demonstration. Madonna was out. Pink was out with her husband. She was playing tribute to Rosa Parks. We've also seen J-Lo 
talking about on Instagram that her son had said to her, hey, you know, you've got a following like some of the YouTube gamers I follow and they ask us to support things that we do and you should do that for George Floyd. And she said, funny you say that, baby. I'm planning a few things. You want to help make a sign? And then she was out and about with signs like, let's get loud for Black Lives Matter. I love that she uh, referenced her hit and got her activism in there too. (laughs) It's so cute that her son was the one that pushed her. It was like one of my favorite heartwarming protest stories of the week. It's it's so so sweet. I love Can you that. Imagine too. being J Lo and like having your son compare you to like a YouTube gamer, though. You almost have <laughs> as many followers as this gamer follower on YouTube, so you should do something. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean can you also imagine having j-lo as your mom no. uh, you know you know what i thought was also interesting obviously j-lo's twins are 12 but we saw that nick cannon was talking about his twins uh, monroe and moroccan who are nine who he shares with mariah carey and he said my children fear police i try to teach fearlessness i try to teach you the power within you that you need to fear nothing when they see the energy of law enforcement it's like uh-oh here comes the police because these these quotes really resonated with me it's so disturbing to think that kids that young and i think so many people don't understand that particularly white parents don't understand that and white kids do not have the same fear because this is obviously as we've been talking about something that's impacted with police brutality particularly impacted black and brown communities but but so so terrifying to hear that you know kids we think of as so innocent are dealing with this. I want us to play a little clip. Victor Cruz talked to Christina Garibaldi from Martin Victor's, obviously a former football player turned host of E News's Pop of the Morning. He's dating Karuchi Tran, who we love. He talked mm-hmm. to us about conversations he's had with his eight year old daughter. Yeah, I mean, what was that conversation like? I mean, it's I, did did you have to show her videos of? you know, protests or even George Floyd. I mean, she's young. I mean, I don't know if you'd want to. I mean, I mean, she, let's be, these saw? kids know so yeah. much. More I'm than sure they do. Yeah. I asked her, I asked her, do you know who George Floyd is? She said, yes, daddy. He's the one that died by the policeman. It's mm-hmm. the first thing she said to me before I even had the call, before I even had the conversation and before I even got into it, that's what she said to me. That's what she knew George Floyd as one. And then we're just laying there. We're watching CNN. And the protests are going and we're watching it. And then I was like, it triggered to me like, wow, I don't think I've ever had this conversation with her. I need to have it. Like right now in this moment, while we sit here, while we watch this on television, so she can not only hear my words and what I'm saying to her, but she can visualize what I'm saying and how it's coming to fruition right before her eyes on television. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the best part of, I mean, you never want to have that conversation. I shouldn't be having this conversation. But the best part of it was that I was able to give a direct correlation to what I was saying to so she can process that and put it towards what was happening on the TV screen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it must have been a, a tough conversation to have. And I know a lot of parents are having those tough conversations, which is so important that they should be having. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think you have to have these conversations. I think this is the reason why we have generational things that continue and cycles that continue to happen because these parents aren't having the conversation. All parents, not just black, black parents, especially because of what we go through on a daily basis and things that we face. But white parents need to have these conversations as well so that they can start to shift their minds and think differently. If you begin to learn differently and think differently, this world will become a better place slowly but surely. Really powerful stuff. I think what was interesting, too, we've learned in the last week after he had been quiet for some days, Kanye West, who has made the news a lot for his controversial political views, donated $2 million so far to charities associated with Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd, and set up a college fund for George's six-year-old daughter, Gianna. And then he joined protesters um, to march on Chicago's South Side. We saw celebrities like Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx join George Floyd's loved ones in Houston for a memorial service this week. And there was another service as well um, where we saw Kevin Hart, Ludacris, Tiffany Haddish, T.I. and Tyrese travel to Minnesota for a service for George Floyd. Travis, can you tell us what happened on this day in pop culture history? Oh my God, I can. I'm going to lighten it up a bit because two music videos starring celebrities came out today. Oh. Welcome to Miami by Will Smith came out featuring wow. Eva Mendes. Iconic. 
iconic song, 1997. And Eva Mendez is like the sexy girl who says, Bienvenido a Miami. Oh, and oh, I yes. just love that. And Kim Kardashian today in 2007 was in Thanks for the Memories Fallout Boy music Stop. video as the lady love interest. It is worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Kim K, it's like 2007 Kim K, like really trying. I love it. And also today was the day that Gawker filed for bankruptcy after Hulk Hogan sued them for publishing his sex tape. No. I know. And one more little thing that happened today. Today was the day in 1998. Oh, Scott Foley and Jennifer Gardner, their divorce was finalized after they met (laughs) on set in 1998, married in October 2000, and then they were divorced later that year here and of course she met affleck in 2004 but i completely forgot that she was married to scott foley yeah oh yes yes i'm not over kim kardashian being in a fallout music video oh yeah thanks for the memories i'm gonna go watch that and i would also just like to say that as a the resident sporty spice on this podcast i have a victor cruz (laughs) jersey and i've never been so proud my god i love victor cruz (laughs) i met him when i went to the super bowl and i interviewed him and he is a lovely man he let me touch his bicep. What? He let you touch his bicep? Yeah, we were doing a fitness interview, and I was like, you do have big guns. He's like, yeah, do you want to feel them? And so I oh, touched them, and they were gigantic. Oh, it I felt like a pie. Oh, wow. Um, wait, no. when you were talking about Kim Kardashian in a music video, I was hoping you were going to refer to Jam. Jam. Turn it oh, off. I thought it was going to be Sultan's My Best Friend's Ass. Oh, no, no. Jam Jam is way more iconic than my best friend's ass. On Jam's anniversary, I'm going to send it to our producer so he can play a little clip of the iconic chorus of Jam, Turn It Up. They play in my jam. Oh, my God. (laughs) Travis, I I mean, this is your segment. You're our our resident historian. But I do have to remind everyone, there was a major moment in 1994 when TLC member Lisa Lefty Lopez (gasps) set fire to the house she shared with her boyfriend, Andrew Eisen, in That happened this week in 1994. Wow, I uh, was almost born. Oh, (laughs) wow. Thanks for for rooting our podcast, Sarah. I haven't reminded you guys of of, um, our age difference in a while, so I felt like it was a good time. Of your youth privilege. That's I know. Did someone make you feel old on TikTok today, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm one with the TikTokers. <laughs> Are the you though? Or do, do they look at you like a grandmotherly figure? <laughs> Travis, put down the claws. <laughs> no, Travis. Double them up. Sharpen them. Uh, thank you for that, Travis. Um, you know, you know, I want to touch on again. We touched a little bit on it last week, but the celebrities' response and seeing those people who have responded supporting Black Lives Matter and the movement and the protesters versus others who have had maybe more critical responses or negative responses. I thought it was really interesting. Some people have really surprised me. I don't know if you guys saw Mary Brown from Sister Wives. And I guess I had this preconceived notion that because you know, she is Mormon, maybe she wouldn't, and and a white woman, she might not be as progressive. And I think that was sort of foolish and underestimation on my end. But she, in her online Facebook group community, she had this long paragraph talking about Black Lives Matter and honoring George Floyd. And I thought that was really nice. And she shared a video of George Floyd's daughter. We've also seen Brad Paisley, Carrie Underwood, Kelsey Ballerini, Maren Morris, post things on Instagram and their other social media channels. And then, of course, notably, there have been people like Sam Hunt, Miranda Lambert, who's married to a former police officer, Jason Aldean, who have not posted static posts on their Instagram. I I saw even Jason Aldean's wife, Brittany Aldean, was defending her silence about it on social media. And per commenters, um, they claimed she was erasing comments supporting Black Lives Matter because she said, our silence doesn't mean racism by any means. It simply means people process things differently, which I don't know what in the white privilege tell that that means. But, you know, we saw even Blake Shelton did a tweet where he said, praying tonight for justice for George Floyd, peace in our communities and permanent change. Travis Cronin, please tell me you have seen what Paris Hilton has been posting. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean her rainbow glitter pride post today? That and also, listen, she's been problematic and cancel worthy in the past, but she has been going in on supporting Black Lives Matter 
and now Pride and Queer People. I it, it, I looked, I was like, maybe she'll have like one Blackout Tuesday post and maybe this one glitter gif for yeah. Pride. But no, she's going all the way in. It's really incredible. I agree. Paris Hilton's transformation in terms of wokeness in the last year, I feel like she finally gets it and she knows why it's important to post about these things. And she sort of has the right idea back when in like 2009, she definitely did not have the right idea about people no, of color and no, gay people. No, 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 no. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's interesting to see this unlikely evolution. It's great. You know who else? It is. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. You know, who else is speaking out? Kendall Jenner, because I'm not sure. I know you guys have seen. There were allegations that she photoshopped an image of herself to make it appear like she was holding a Black Lives Matter poster. The image went viral when an influencer tweeted it, saying what's missing from her shadow because, you know, it looked like she's holding this poster, but it's clearly not her holding the poster because there's no shadow of the poster. And Kendall tweeted, this is photoshopped by someone I did not post this. And then she really leaned into, she's been doing a lot of thinking. She's angry and she's hurt. Like so many people, she acknowledges her white privilege, white privilege. She promises she'll educate herself on how she can help. What did you guys think when you saw this image? Did you think she had photoshopped it? No, no way. She's, she's not brand new. She's not an idiot. And people still very much remember in 2017, that Pepsi ad controversy <laughs> oh, yeah. where, where Kendall handed the, the Pepsi to a police officer to try to alleviate tension and stop a protest. I thought yeah. that she already made moves for black people by giving the Pepsi. I thought it was all done now, but apparently Kendall Jenner did not stop everything. No. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that, that was a bad, mean, bad, bad moment. In addition to her probably being better at Photoshop than we would ever imagine, she yeah. wouldn't, I don't think, do this because there are so many memes right now all about the Pepsi and about Kendall bringing out the Pepsi. And it's like, people don't forget. So I would don't think she would be dumb enough to then put any sort of potential backlash on herself again, while the internet is already roasting her for something that happened a few years ago. So I don't think she did, but rough, rough, rough times for Kendall as always. <laughs> I also remember that photo and knew she wasn't holding a Black Lives Matter picture. It was from two years ago at someone's birthday party. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was for her birthday, actually. It was, birthday. Um, she shared it on November 2019 while celebrating her 24th birthday. I thought it was really notable that Justin Bieber took to Instagram over the weekend and said he's inspired by Black culture. I benefited off Black culture. My style, how I sing, dance, perform, and my fashion have all been influenced and inspired by Black culture. I'm committed to using my platform from this day forward to learn, to speak up about racial injustice and systemic oppression, and identify ways to be part of much-needed change. This, you know, we just talked about Paris Hilton evolution. This is also a major evolution for Bieber, who previously had to apologize because at the age of 19, he had said the N-word, and this, this came up again in December 2019, where he was talking about being young and uneducated and talking about how prevalent racism is. So uh, it's nice to see that he's being proactive about um, sharing where he stands on this. He yeah, said he's all right things. He did. He did, and he's posting all of the Black celebrities today on his Instagram that have influenced him. So he you know, put Usher and he just said, thank you, Usher and Jaden Smith and tagged them in photos. And he's doing standalones of all the people of color in his life that have inspired him. It's great. Haley has also been posting like a lot Mm -hmm. and having interesting conversations. And they, I mean, they, we talked last week a lot about direct, you know, people talking to the youth. And I think that's the very powerful couple for Gen Z. Definitely. I know we've been dying to get to this, but now we need to talk about Stassi Schroeder, Kristen Doty. They have been fired. When Vanderpump Rules returns for season nine, Stassi and Kristen will not be featured, Bravo announced this week. The network also cut ties with with Max Boyens and Brett Caprioni for their past racially insensitive remarks. Wow, Bethany. Wow, Sarah Huron. Your immediate reaction. I mean, I just like, I'm Are you okay? <laughs> do I have to burn my Stassi quote shirts? Yes, yeah. you do. Put them on sure. top of your Harry Potter books and set fire to them. Oh, I didn't just read. Are you it. kidding? I don't have Harry Potter books. Oh, thank you for clarifying. Ooh, I got worried. Are you crazy? I was reading Gossip Girl. Uh, um, no. No, listen, my initial instinct was I was 
I'm shocked, but I'm also not shocked as I've been covering this the last couple of days and even listening to Stassi's podcast a long time ago. I, some of the quotes that are resurfacing, I remember hearing in the moment and being like, this is not going to end well, but nothing ever really happened, which kind of always surprised me. So I think Bravo really had no other choice. The only thing I will say that as I've been thinking about it is I almost feel like they should have just postponed production on season nine and really like launched an investigation and look, looked into the whole cast. Because right now, yes, Stassi and Kristen are making headlines for stuff with Faith, which we'll get into. Max and Brett had tweets that resurfaced in January, but they still aired the whole season with them. Talked about it on the reunion last week. And Lisa made it clear that they weren't fired because she didn't feel like, she felt like they had changed. Now they're being fired. So they're sort of changing this narrative because of everything that's happening. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but there's also old tweets of Jax's that are very offensive. I mean, Brittany, like there's a lot of interesting things that are being said around Bravo in general. And I think it would have made more sense if they maybe just paused the whole thing and really thought about how they wanted to, if they even wanted to move forward with the ninth season of this show and be a little more careful with who they're giving these giant platforms to. Cause I don't know if it was necessarily the right move to only fire these four people. It's also interesting, I mean, in case people missed the beginning part of this, Faith Stowers, who was the only Black cast member on the show, she had had an affair with Jax Taylor, who was dating Brittany Cartwright. They're now, Jax and Brittany are now married at the time. And Faith was explaining that in 2018, there was this article in the Daily Mail where there was a the picture of an African-American lady. It was a photo, and she looked very, Faith said she looked very light-skinned, had these different weird tattoos, they showcased her, and I guess this woman was robbing people. And she said that Stasi and Kristen, they shared this on another podcast, called the cops and said it was Faith. And so this obviously is hugely dangerous and problematic because they were just saying she looks like another black woman. And as, as we've talked about, there's a dialogue now that uh, it's can be very violent and dangerous when the police are called on black people. And this was a huge problematic thing. And then the girls also doubled down on it and were taking to Twitter on it about it at the time that Kristen had said, Hey, Tweety's doesn't this ex pump rules thief look familiar. And it was hugely problematic. But as we've noted, it, this was years ago and now is coming up again. And now there's action being taken. And we heard as well that the cast of Vanderpump Rules was shocked. They found out when the news came out, when the rest of the world did, there was no heads up given to them. And we, yeah, we've also heard from our sources that Stassi and Kristen have touched base about all the recent news about them coming out. But their feud, because as we've reported, they had a major feud, they've talked about it, is not exactly over. Sarah, please tell me you have not signed the change.org petition I saw this morning that has 2,158 signatures as of this morning, begging Bravo to rehire Stassi and Kristen. No, I have not signed the petition, Brody. Who who cre- who created that sim asshole? I have oh, no idea, it. but it was not me, and I don't appreciate you even bringing that narrative up, Travis. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would like to read a few more of Faith's quotes. If yeah, possible. do it. Because in addition to the Stasi and Kristen stuff, which you kind of covered, some, something else she said that I thought was interesting was about the fact. So Faith was on season four of the show and she came on when Lala came on and Brittany was also introduced as Jax's girlfriend. And they kind of were starting to introduce like the next generation of Vanderpump cast members. I don't know if she was listed as full time because I don't, she didn't get confessionals, but Lala did. So it's all very interesting of what was happening behind the scenes, but something Faith said on her Instagram live was it could be different on their end. But in my opinion, I thought it was weird that everybody on the show got to do interviews and confessionals and I didn't get a chance to do that to tell my story which is a very interesting story, being a Black woman in the military at the time. At the time, I was still in the Army, and I didn't feel like they appreciated that. She also said when Lisa Vanderpump first approached me, she was very happy about the fact that there was going to be a Black person on the show. It was like, quote, I want you to put them in their place, give them that Nene Leakes-type attitude. And I was very nice coming in. I wasn't really giving her that show that she needed for me. And I think that's why you didn't see me in confessionals, in my opinion, but it could be different on their end. So... It, that's what I also mean by just maybe like pausing on the show. Cause while Vanderpump Rules has been beyond entertaining and I really enjoyed it. I think that there was things going on behind the scenes that go farther than just Stassi and Kristen making, you know, very ignorant and dangerous comments and the bachelor, which we'll get into also, it's like, it goes around having, you know, diverse producers and people having these conversations. So they don't get in these situations to begin with. 
Yes, and we've seen Bravo release a separate statement. A lot of particularly Black Bravo liberties were supporting that and saying there's more that needs to be done. What's really interesting here is Stassi and Kristen both apologized, and there was a key problem to their apologies that they took to Instagram without even dissecting what they each said in their apologies. As Us Weekly exclusively reported, they posted these apologies to their followers to, for their, to see on social media, but they did not reach out to Faith who was the person that they had hurt before posting these apologies, which Apology 101, if you want to be sincere about it, you need to be apologizing to that person first and not making a public spectacle about it. That was really crappy. And we also... Go ahead, Travis. It's just so tough because I want people to realize that these, especially when you call the cops on a person of color, especially a Black person, their life can be threatened and it's so important. But then... You know, I also sort of get what Sarah said, that they're really ignorant and maybe they could put a pause on that and they could go out to protest. They could do some training. They could talk to people. And I know it's not Black people's job to educate them, but I don't know. It's tough. I support it. And it's tough at the same time. Yeah. I mean, cancel culture is really scary. I mean, we know Stassi's podcast has been taken down from its platforms, radio.com. She lot before that, she even lost sponsorships anyway. So I don't know how the podcast was necessarily going to go on and make money, but it's totally been wiped from the internet. Basically, her PR agency dropped her. She's I've seen her follower count go down. She still does have two million followers. Um, she lost but, like a hundred thousand, right? Yeah, she lost like a hundred thousand overnight. Her wine is gone. Her wine is off the shelves. They're not making yeah. more of that. And it's like, wh- where does she go from here? It will be interesting because Sarah, as you noted, there are. And more than just problematic people in the Bravo universe, we've seen fans call for the firing of Catherine Dennis from Southern Charm, who's also gotten in trouble for racist comments. Kelly Dodd has made problematic, a number of problematic oh, statements, God. not just in the last year, but in the past. Ashley Marston from 90 Day Fiance is calling for Jax Taylor to be fired because of his problematic comments in the past. Says Billy Lee. She's also calling for Jax to be fired. So we'll see if there'll be more of a cleaning house. But I, I don't doubt that it will end here. I don't know, man. Bravo will never be the same. And it shouldn't. I, I get it. It shouldn't. But I it, it's I don't know. It's interesting that what who they decided to call out when and and how it's all playing out. But I Andy made a comment, uh, Andy Cohen, that, you know, he's not in charge of he's not a producer on Vanderpump Rules. He's not a producer on Southern Charm. He is on the Housewives. So he wanted to clarify that he has no say. He supports Bravo Bravo's decision. But I don't know. I mean, Southern Charm, it's kind of hard to think about that show going on because if you Google it, there's plenty of problematic <laughs> stuff going on there. But yeah, as someone who's watched all go. six seasons, like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Guys, let's lighten it up a minute. I want a little Love Lives moment in here. Did you guys watch Flavor of Love? Of course. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you're about to talk about my favorite Instagram I, model. Of course Brody. I am. I knew you did, Travis, because I, I did too. I her. I'm obsessed with her, too. Delicious who won her season of Flavor of Love. And guess who she was up against? New York, Tiffany New York. Pollard. That's that's no right. Way. I mean, this was, yes, this was like reality TV gold when there weren't a bajillion shows on TV. And there she's were reality. also the one where that, the Latin girl crazy was like, I want to be a singer. And she sounded like crap and then delicious as like a gospel singer and like shut yeah. her down. It's one of the best clips in reality television. I mean, Delicious was incredible on that show, but mm-hmm. she's also still incredible and gorgeous. She actually got married to someone, Raymond Santana Jr., who was one of the exonerated Central Park Five, oh. which if you don't know about that story, you should dig into it. But she, Candy um, Burris shared the news on Instagram. And then I, this weekend, was tuning into Delicious's Instagram Live where she did all the choreo to Beyonce's ring on it and oh. tossed the bouquet to her. To her, her like bridal party was so cute. I loved it so much. And they also went and voted in little mass that said bride and groom, which I thought was oh, just so fantastic. It's and they're so they're my cute. favorite couple this week. And delicious is just she's more than just a body, but just go check it out for that body too. And now she's like a humanitarian activist. I couldn't love her more. Yeah. Yeah, and if anything, that'll give you a chance to look up old clips of Delicious in New York on A Flavor of Love. But you should also check out Ava DuVernay's Netflix series, When They See Us, which talks about the false convictions of those five men. And Gwen, I have a little surprise treat for you. I mean, you already got your stylish plug in uh, Shameless Integration in, but I thought I was following one of my faves on Instagram, and she shared this, this little tip about hair care. So um, this is, I'm doing a hair mask for culture. This is avocado. 
And I just finished putting the argan oil. I'm gonna put mayonnaise, castor oil, olive oil. I know it's a lot of oil, but my baby here gotta be really hydrated like mine's. And I'm about to put egg and honey. It's a lot, right? It's for me and culture. Big scoop, big chunky scoop. Honey, and I'm not gonna put that much honey because you know, since it's a baby, I don't want her hair to be sticky and she just touches it and wear stuff, you know, just a little bit, that's it. Guys, wish me luck cracking this egg. Ah. And now I'm gonna put a lot of, a lot of black castor oil. You'll put it all in that bitch. And I'm gonna put it in the blender so the avocado meat, I actually add another extra avocado so that avocado meat won't be in your fucking head. Cause it's really hard to take avocado chunks off your head, so. Why not? I'm gonna add a banana because a banana is really good nutrients to the hair. All of this shit is good for the hair, you know what I'm saying? Another egg. smooth it is now this shit right here is gonna go to for me and my baby's hair um i love cardi b so much sometimes i can't stand it and i'm so grateful that she posts at all hours of the day and everything has like a cardi b flair on it it makes life worth living honestly i and love her hair that we haven't seen in forever it's beautiful <gasps> yeah her natural hair is amazing and also she was like wearing she was fresh faced with no makeup in that Instagram post, I mean, it's amazing. She's all natural, and I love Cardi. Whether she is natural or like dressed to the nines, she is amazing, and we love her. Also, watching her crack an egg like that, I was like, "Who cracks an egg like that?" It's like, oh, what, is that? "What is?" I was like, "Why are you squeezing it?" And then, but just her like pearls of wisdom, where I'm like. That makes sense. She's like, "You're not going to put soda in your hair because soda's not good for your body, so it's definitely not good for your hair." I'm like. Hey, that that checks out. Yeah, tell, <laughs> tell that to Suki Waterhouse, who puts Coca Cola in her hair for texture. Wow, hmm. Battle of the Greats, guys. Let's talk about Rachel Lindsay because she has been using her platform, and she's talking about how she's received so many questions regarding headlines stating that she'll leave the Bachelor franchise if it fails to address the lack of diversity in lead roles. And um, she said there have been, you know, she said that she was embarrassed to be affiliated with the franchise. She listed several things she thinks that they need to do with The Bachelor. Cast leads that are truly interested in dating outside of their race. Stop making excuses for the lack of diversity and take action to rectify the problem. Diversify the producers on the show to make your contestants of color feel more comfortable. Stop creating problematic storylines for people of co color. And she said the franchise should make a statement acknowledging their systemic racism. The system is not designed for people of color. Sarah, here on Longtime, an avid Bachelor fan, what were your thoughts here? I mean, listen, like Rachel is so well-spoken, whether she's talking about something important as this or whether she's, you know, giving her thoughts on the fantasy suite, she always says it best. <laughs> so She's got about a thousand podcasts right now. I've been listening to all of them. And I love that she also not only points out a problem, but offers solutions. So, I mean, I don't think there's any denying everything she's saying is right. She's such a great face for it too. She's just so smart. And yeah. like yeah. you said, since she had a big girl job before joining the franchise, yeah. she knows how to write an outline. Yeah, she does. I there's mean, also yeah. a petition going around right now that has over like 50,000 signatures to try to get the next bachelor to be a black man. Is it going to be Mike? I mean, I would love it to be Mike. I've met Mike a few times. He's so charming. And I think, you know, it's the joke now is like the fact that they picked Peter and it ended up being such a disaster <laughs> and Mike could have been the option makes it even worse. And I'm, I mean, I will say it. I'm very disappointed in ABC and Chris Harrison and the bachelor for not saying anything yet. I think, that whatever they do finally address all this, it better be really, 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 really well done because it's pretty alarming that there's been nothing on their end yet. And they've always kind of gone with this narrative of people of color don't try out for The Bachelor. So we can't, you know, force them. We're trying to get quality people. And I, I talked about this on The Bachelor podcast a bunch this week, but like the quality people argument is insane because half of the people on The Bachelor, you know, are there because they're not quality people. Right. And it's one thing to vet people you know, and find out they may be messy. And it's another thing to, if you look on their Twitter, see that they have said very offensive things and to give them a platform. I mean, someone that was on Rachel's season 
Lee literally had tweeted like the N-word several times. And like the fact that they put him on her season or any season is insane. So they just need to, you can be messy, but not this messy. It's not, it's not cool. Well, Sarah, you talked about Rachel's other podcast and she has a podcast with Becca Cuffrin and speaking about the same thing you were talking about, Becca and Garrett, who are now together, Garrett had a bunch of problematic shit in his past that he was Mm -hmm. saying all kinds of horrible things and, uh, you know, about Parkland shooting survivors, immigration. Okay. Offensive memes. I'm just, I'm not saying that that makes it better. I'm just No, it's definitely a clarification. It's liking offensive things about members of the LGBTQ community in 2018. And then he took the day that most people were doing a Black Eyed Tuesday post and he posted something that was about the police. And can you explain a little bit about what, what that did and what sort of lines that drew in the Bachelor world? Because I know that involved Becca and another Becca and Rachel as well. Yeah. So um, again, Rachel Lindsay pretty much put it best when she said on her podcast that, you know, Garrett posted the Blackout Tuesday post, very generic Blackout Tuesday, never didn't say Black Lives Matter, was very much, you know, very straightforward. The next day he posted a very long quote unquote, heartfelt, thoughtful caption about supporting police and the importance of, you know, recognizing that not all cops are bad. And essentially like a thin blue line was, I guess, the message instead of Blue Lives Matter. It's just a a new way of saying Blue Lives Matter, I guess. And as Rachel pointed out, that says everything you need to know. And that's his priority that right now when people are trying to amplify Black voices and talk about Black Lives Matter, he chose to, you know, pour his heart and soul into a caption about something that is pretty much the opposite. And it's fascinating because Becca, who was the bachelorette the year after Rachel, has been engaged to Garrett for two years. And Becca and Rachel host this official ABC-sponsored Bachelor podcast together. And they had a very honest conversation about it. And Becca was talking about how she, you know, has been trying to educate Garrett. And Rachel got very emotional. She, you know, said, I don't think Garrett's malicious, but I think Garrett is the problem. And the narrative that Garrett Mm -hmm. is representing and promoting at this time, especially, is the problem. And, and, you know, she was recognizing that that's a sign of privilege in itself to feel the needs that you need to post this whole long thing the day after Blackout Tuesday. Like, it, it was a very interesting conversation. You know, Becca feels like you can tell she's trying not to totally throw Garrett under the bus, but she agrees with Rachel. And it, I feel like it was probably a good representative of a lot of conversations that are happening right now. And Becca Martinez got involved. She was Becca's friend from Ari Leindyke junior season. And she started commenting on Garrett's post, you know, saying that, criticizing it. And then he posted a screenshot of their DMs on his Instagram story and declared that Becca Martinez was no longer invited over to his house with Becca Kufrin. Like in typical Bachelor fashion, it turned into something else. But if you take anything away from it, I would say go listen to Becca Kufrin and Rachel Lindsay's conversation because it was really fascinating. Well, I think it's very interesting and it resonates with a lot of people because I don't know if any of you three, and I'm sure our listeners have tried dating, well, hopefully not married to, but maybe you are married to somebody who has different ideological beliefs from you. And in a moment like this, where it is really life or death for these issues, it can bring up a lot of emotion and be very difficult to navigate that conversation. But it's, 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 it's very telling that on a day when people were trying to affirm that Black Lives Matter, he was basically whispering this Blue Lives Matter message. And I think, you know, what people miss there, when you're talking about that, police can go home and take off their uniform. They can take off the blue. But obviously, as we know, Black people cannot change the color of their skin. So to equate the two as equal causes is dangerous and completely unfair. We talked a little bit about before the firings of the Vanderpump Rules cast, but Dee Nugent has been, her ties with MTV have been severed. She's on the challenge this season, but MTV said as a result of her offensive comments on the Black Lives Matter movement, we've severed ties from her, even though her challenge season is still airing. She wrote some really messed up offensive things. Um, She tweeted, I don't know why some of you think I'm anti-BLM. I've been saying that since the day I lost my virginity. And she also, someone said, um, people are dying. And she said, people die every fucking day. You don't know me or what I do. I suggest you wake the fuck up and get off social media. She also was arguing with Bailey Dayton, who's our co-star on this current season. Bailey is black. And they were going back and forth. And it was really, really a, a hideous look for Dee. And she apologized. She gave us an exclusive statement apologizing to her cast members, to Buna Murray and MTV for her choice of words. And she knows she said she'd love to take it back, but it's out there. And to set the record straight, 
racial tolerance is intolerable and unacceptable. We also saw Leah Shawkat. Um, she had to apologize because there was a clip from a South by Southwest panel from four years ago. She quoted a Drake lyric. She used the N-word. She said, I am deeply sorry and I take full responsibility. It was a careless moment, one I'm ashamed and embarrassed by, but vowed to continue to learn from. She's really been very vocal about her support of the Black Lives Matter movement since George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis, but she really had a great apology, uh, not a Leah Michelle school of apologizing, but a really heartfelt, sincere apology. Everyone should read that apology. It's really, it's really well done. Busy time for crisis PR, especially when you are representing reality TV stars. We'll stop now. And and that moves us into a, a segment that we might as well call white people that need to take a break from social media. Because J.K. Rowling, wow. I don't know why she felt the need to post several tweets um, slamming the trans community. She got on there and she shared an article titled, and she said, it was opinion creating more equal post-COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. She wrote about this post, people who menstruate. I'm sure there used to be a word for these people. Someone help me out. Women, wimbund, wumud. People were angry and she she said, I've spent much of the last three years reading books, blogs, and scientific, whatever. I'm not even getting into her stupid, stupid things because I don't want to give her more time. But she said, I'd march with you. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. Now this... um, enraged me because in 2019 alone, advocates tracked at least 26 deaths of at least transgender or gender non-conforming people in the U.S. due to fatal violence. And the majority of those people were Black transgender women. In 2020 alone, we've already seen at least 12 transgender or gender non-conforming people fatally shot or killed by other violent means. That's alone. There are, there are plenty of unreported deaths that happen. And most recently, the, a name that I mentioned before, Tony McDade, who's a black transgender man, was killed by Tallahassee police May 27th. We've seen other celebrities clap back. Sarah Paulson tweeted, word, good night and shut up. J.K. Rowling, Jamila Jamil said, closed mouth, open purse. Tegan and Sarah talked about turfs. Mary Lambert. I think even more notably, we saw Daniel Radcliffe distance himself from her um, Harry comments. Himself. That's right. Shazam or whatever you live. say in Harry Potter world. That's right. He said, well, Joe is unquestionable. Whatever you say in Harry Potter world, I don't speak that language. He Having said, Expelliarmus. There we go. He said, while Joe is unquestionably responsible for the course my life has taken as someone who's been honored to work with and continues to contribute to the Trevor Project for the last decade and just as a human being, I feel compelled to say something at this moment. Transgender women are women. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associations who have far more expertise on the subject matter than either Joe or I. He pulled out stats. Eddie Redmayne also condemned her comments. Take that, JK. You got shot down by an Oscar winner. So the Danish that, girl the, the herself. Was, yeah. <laughs> just like JK Rowling. Like, just why? 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 I agree. Unnecessary. They didn't do anything to you. Literally, Nothing. what is this affecting your life at all? Because before we get to the only about things you don't know about me, Amanda Bynes, please oh, tell yeah. me you saw last Friday she posted seven of her favorite photos in a slideshow. I dove deep. There were Paul Malls in a slide. There there were odd crops of odd outfits. There was a picture of Paul with her fiance with his shirt off and his bunched up underwear and a very fancy lamp in the background and a towel as a tablecloth. She had her lips puffed out for another one with like cases of Pepsi in the background. Then she posted, she deleted it and posted it again with two of the slides missing. Then she uploaded a black and white selfie. Then she uploaded a video of herself rapping along to an ASAP Rocky song. It was, that was very my favorite. cryptic, cryptic. Is cryptic, it cryptic, cryptic or is cryptic. it just crazy? It's crazy. <laughs> there was one like something I don't even know what it was. Like it was just like looked really dirty. It almost looked like a dirty iron or something. Like it was no. really alarming. It reminded me of like a frat house. An architectural sketch for a house that I don't think is possible to build was also <laughs> up there. And in news for Aaron Carter concerned watchers with which both Travis and I consider yep. ourselves members of that community, Aaron Carter is back. Again, with his on and off girlfriend, Melanie Martin. Mind you, this is the woman, he said Mm. she was pregnant earlier with his child. Then he told the universe that 
she was pregnant with some probably somebody else's child. He didn't believe that it was his baby. But then he said she suffered a miscarriage due to stress conditions. And he said that they're going to try again. He wants to take care of her. Mind you, these two had that horrible fallout where he said she broke their dog's leg. But clearly, they've let bygones be bygones. And now they're back together and trying to make it work, which is... Oh, good luck for them. Totally. Yeah, we'll be talking about their new domestic dispute next week. We surely will. Guys, are you ready for 25 Things You Don't Know About Me? Listeners, are you ready to play along as these three try to guess who we did this 25 Things You Don't Know About Me list We've with? We've been it, so bad at this lately. Yeah. You've really been so bad. bad. And I can count on you not to break your streak. I went into the archive, pulled this from an issue March 2010. 2010. 2010, March 2010. Mm. Think, keep that in mind. Okay. Number one, listeners, please play along. Leah See Michelle. if you can guess who we did. Stop that. Aaron Carter. No, stop that. Number one, I still drive my 1993 Acura because it's the first car I ever bought. Number two, I'm an only child with many close friends. Number three, I like to sing R&B, but I'm the only one who likes to hear it. Number four, when I'm exhausted, I rap in my sleep. Number five, I got stitches in my thigh after falling out of a treehouse as a child. Lil Wayne. No, number six, I love comedies. My favorite one is Coming to America. Number seven. I'm a true romantic, although most people think I'm a freak. Number eight, I own an RV and I actually drive it myself. Number nine, I'm a perfectionist and I never quit. Number 10, I love to educate myself by reading books and get suggestions all the time from a friend. Number 11, I take vitamins every day. Health is very important to me. Number 12, I'm always punctual and don't like to be kept waiting. Number 13, if I had a superpower, it would be X-ray vision. Number 14, I've had every Jordan shoe ever made, ever. Number 15, I love Mexican food. It's about the only thing that I know how to cook. Number 16, I'm somewhat of a germaphobe. Number 17, I own my own plane, a Hawker 700 jet. It's not shared or leased, it's mine 100%. Jamie Number 18, no, number 18, I'm very appreciative of all that I have. I don't take anything for granted. Number 19, it bothers me when people repeat themselves too much. Number 20, I created my own cognac, Conjure. Oh! I learned how to... Luda oh. Chris! Learned... Oh! <laughs> yes! Luda! 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 I almost censored it because I was like, no, they're going to get it. But I was like, they won't remember it. Wow, great. I mean, how Brody, how else are we supposed to guess if you omit yeah. all the clues? I well, don't want to make it to too guess. easy for you it's guys. It's never too easy. Most of the time we can't even guess. It's not too easy. Yeah, well, I like to keep you guessing. But you yeah, know what? Was- I just talk. I just talked to Ludacris yesterday and some of our interview will be on usmagazine.com today and you can read all about it there. Pimping all uh, over the world. Yay. Speaking of interviews, Sarah, you just talked to the Lady Gang and we're about to hear a little snippet of your conversation with them. How did that go? It was good. They have a new book out called Act Like a Lady, and it's just like a fun bunch of essays um, about stuff they've learned over the years. They put a diagram of all the Botox and surgery they've had done. They talked about sex. They talked about death, loss. It's actually, um, it was very interesting. So they were fun to talk to. Let's take a listen. What did you guys learn about each other when you were reading each other's essays? It's a good question. I think that I learned about Jack you know, we've been doing the podcast for five years and she talks a lot about her struggles with body image, but I guess I just never really realized how much she's struggled with that and how deep seated that fight has been between her brain and what is actually in front of her in the mirror. And so that really gave me I felt a lot of empathy for her where normally I'm like, oh, okay, you think you're so ugly. You're like five foot nine. Your legs are up to like my ears and you're skinny and beautiful. So like, you know, quite frankly, go F yourself. But this actually gave me an ability to see from her perspective that it does not matter what you look like. You can still feel really crappy on the inside. I think that that in general, you know, on the podcast, we're so open about a lot of things about, you know, bodily functions and like hooking up with guys and just a lot of really raw, honest like subjects in our life. But we all three have kind of a hard time being legitimately vulnerable about subjects that mean a lot to us. So I think in the book, I, what I learned about the two girls and that I think I expressed myself is we're kind of able to talk about different topics that 
I mean, we like our podcast to be, you know, a, a fun place for people to kind of like unwind and listen to and not really be too heavy. So I think the book is a good place that we could kind of talk about those things. And I mean, in a fun way sometimes as well, but, you know, let a little piece of our heart show that we don't usually do. Like the two of them, when we, they talk about marriage, they're like, don't do it. Ah, husbands. And they both wrote really beautiful essays about their husbands. And it just makes me, you know, value their relationships even more. Yeah. For me, I'm exactly the same with Jack. I think just knowing her inner struggles and I think with Becca, you know, she exactly what, sorry, I'm like exactly what Jack said. What Jack said, like, I think sometimes Becca is someone that it will give you the advice and she'll give it to you, but she is quite private in her life. And I think the way she opened up about losing someone that she loved and then going to therapy and, and, and sort of opening up about that and being so honest about it, because I think a lot of people, and we see it all the time in our Facebook group, feel really lost, especially now in this time. And they don't really, they, they feel like there's some stigma about going to get help and, and having someone. And she's someone that's been made me feel better about going to therapy. I've been like, do you, are you going? You need to, maybe you need to go more. Like, I just love that about her. So I think it's a really brave thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there was a lot of mental health, grief, body image, toxic relationships. There was like the funny stuff too, which we'll get to. But some of that, I was like, oh, like this is heavy. We're not, we're not sugarcoating anything. So was that something you knew going in? You were just gonna have to lay it out on the lines. You're gonna do this. I don't, I don't think think we we decided to at all. No, No. I can't even, (laughs) yeah. Like, and you know what, with all like the essays that we did, it wasn't like, you would think that Kelty would be there being like, hey, Becca, you should write about this. This will get a lot of like people talking and this will be a good news story. But <laughs> she didn't. I wasn't. <laughs> like we all kind of wrote what we felt was right and what we wanted to tell a story about and what we think that other girls could relate to. But it never was like, hey, we need this book to have like a lot of heart. And like, let's talk about dark stuff. It kind of, you know, it yeah. ran its course. And then, you For know, sure. it's also balanced with a lot of hooking up with guys. <laughs> yeah. Kelsey, I was actually really fascinated to read about your first marriage. And I, I don't, obviously we don't see too into it. No, but it's it was, fine. Is that something you felt like your listeners have been wanting to like know about or just like it was this tale you knew you needed to tell? Like it was like the dress being too short, the, the whole thing. I was just listening. I can't believe like you went through with it to be honest. It's so crazy. She can't believe it. So this is a story that I have really never told anyone. I mean, a lo- up until a few years ago, I mean, I was already, I think, married to my husband before I even like had told other people in my life that had come into my life afterwards that I had been married before. Like, I, I think I had to tell my in-laws. Like, it was... I. I- it, it's something that I had done so young and had felt so much shame about because failure for me is like Voldemort. Like I am not going to bring that up ever. And I felt so much shame about it because I was kind of a bad person in it. Like I think sometimes it's easier to be like, this person did me wrong. This person did me wrong. But when you're the person that maybe is to blame, you don't bring it up. So a few of my like best friends knew and, and obviously my parents, they just call it like that really fancy dinner party we threw in New York that time. But I, I knew that the book, it's such a long story and it's probably the longest essay in the book and there's so much in it. Like I had to explain the whole thing. So the book was the perfect opportunity to do that. And then since I've sort of started talking about it to the press, I have so many girls that are like, oh my God, I was exactly the same way. Like, uh, you know, I came from a place where everyone wears their high school sweetheart too. And Yeah. So I'm mad that he never wrote back to the letter. I'm like, I I wrote the letter, like the come to Jesus. And I was like expecting you to be like, it's all cool. I have like a wife and a baby's now and we're all fine. But like, dick. You like low-key invented ghosting. Like, (laughs) I mean, I I was literally, it was so crazy because even writing that essay, it reminds you that we used to have a time when we weren't connected by like internet apps. Yeah. Like I would have to call you him stock. I had a flip phone. Like I would have to call you on the phone to be like, how are you? I couldn't just see your life that you were living without me. Like it was just so weird. You'd have to like go outside their house and hide in the bushes and look yeah. at them. Like, Which I, I mean, I'm not in above real that. life. No, I, you most likely did. <laughs> Jack, one of the lines I wrote down that really stood out for me in one of your chapters about love was that you were like, thought you were too smart to be that girl. Cause I feel like that's like a feeling one, it's so easy to judge that girl. And two, it's so easy to be like, I'm better than that girl. So 
with the love stuff, what was like your biggest takeaway that you learned about yourself and like writing about some of the relationships that you've been in? Well, in that essay specifically, it was about me going through like an emotionally abusive relationship. And yeah, like I think that I'm pretty smart girl. I'm very, you know, emotionally intelligent, I would like to think. And I'm pretty smart when I go into relationships, but it doesn't matter how together you have it. If you are thrown in a situation like that with somebody that manipulates your feelings and can turn situations around and can just like totally mind you and gaslight you, like it doesn't matter how smart you are. It really doesn't. Like it can happen to anybody. And in relationships like that, uh, you don't really see it until it's over. Like for me, it was like once we broke up, it was like a light switch went on and I was like, oh my God, I see everything so clear right now. So, you know, I think writing that essay kind of let me process the entire situation because it did really screw me up for a long time after the relationship was over, not because I wanted to get back together with him, but just because it really messes your mind up and you can't trust your own intentions and you can't, you know... I thought I was a good judge of character. I obviously wasn't. So it kind of messes up a lot of your brain functioning when it comes to picking a partner. I also loved how much you like the chapter about friends, just because I feel like it's really hard to talk about wanting to like leave a friendship because you can come off like you're the bad guy, but it's so important. And like, it was really nice to read something that was like, been there. (laughs) My husband was, is reading the book right now very slowly. um, And he turned to me and he's like, oh, the best part of the book is the friendship stuff. And I was like, what? It's like at the end, it's like, we thought the relate, but he was like, it's so good. And I think it's because it's so fresh. No one really realizes or talks about friendship breakups and girlfriendships and all that. Well, even in our, even in the Facebook group now, there's, at least one post a week about either girls moving to a new city or, you know, going through a friendship breakup. And it's really hard to make friends as an adult, especially if you're getting into your thirties and people have kids and they're married and nobody's just going out and partying anymore. Like that's a really hard thing to do. And loneliness is like one of the shittiest feelings to have in the world. So, I mean, a lot of women are going through the same thing, but nobody really wants to talk about it. Cause then it's like, what's wrong with you that you don't have friends? Yeah. Or like why? Nobody wants to be like, I don't have friends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't have friends. So it's like, I will say that, but. <laughs> no, it was refreshing to read about that in a way that wasn't like, I don't know, you're no one's the bad guy. Like sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like sometimes yes. your friendship's not working for me, girl. Something else that I loved was the diagram of the work that you guys have done to your face. Mm-hmm. Kelsey, was that your idea to include or whose idea was that? Whose idea was it? I think it, it was Becca's. mine. Was I it think yours? it was too. Yeah, because, you know, we talk a lot on the podcast about the things we do to our faces. You know, we're not, we're no strangers to a good syringe and Kelty even a scalpel. So, <laughs> and also because I've, because of being in this industry for so long and working with all these incredible women, um, other actresses and women that come in and sit in front of us at the podcast studio, you know, it's such a shame that they can't feel comfortable enough to be honest about some help they've gotten in the cosmetic department. And let's be honest, I don't know if there's a woman on TV who hasn't touched her face. And so it, it, it's such a disservice to, to girls out there who are seeing these pictures and watching these TV shows and they're thinking, if only I looked like that, you know, my life would be so different. And it's like, girl, you can look like that. And here's how. It's just a kind of expensive. Yeah. So I was like, I'm fucking done. I'm done with people of avoiding the conversation. And so here's the perfect way to do it. Let's get an illustration of all of our faces and let's point out every single thing we've done, hairline to boobies. Before I let you guys go, I want to hear from each of you one, your favorite Lady Gang dictionary word and what you want your um, listeners to take away from the book. Ooh. My favorite word is one that my dad actually wrote. So good. <laughs> came up with. My dad listens to the podcast every week and he'll often shoot me some, he'll pitch pitch me some words. Kelty told a story about leaving a tampon in for far, far, far too long because she forgot it was up there. Another imagery that we all have. And the following, after that Tuesday episode, I got a text from my dad saying, I have a new word for the dictionary, tampnesia. So good. It's genius. My favorite word is moment and it's a moment when one renders herself a hoe that was pretty much my entire 
20s. And then if you're having a collection of moments, it's called hotivities. My favorite word in the Lady Gang Dictionary is about me. Surprise. It's it's called a countdown. It's like a meltdown. But when you're like a, an A-type, like crazy person and you're having a meltdown about something that is so unimportant and like is not worth having a meltdown. Like it is the stupidest thing ever. Sarah, that was fascinating. Bravo. Bravo, Sarah. And brava, Sarah. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to the Lady Gang. Pick up their book out now. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining our Hot Hollywood podcast this week. We hope that you join us again next week. And whether you listen on Spotify, tune in on iTunes, or stream this podcast some other way, we hope you are enjoying it or maybe even learning something from it because we do try to deliver the hottest, most relevant news to you each week. Please share, like, subscribe, tell a friend about this weekly news podcast, and please tell us. Find us on social media because it shouldn't be too tricky to find the Brody Brown, Gwen Flamberg, Travis Cronins, or Sarah Hurons who work at Us Weekly on Instagram or Twitter. And let us know your thoughts, what you want to hear more of, or maybe who you want to hear from. Otherwise, we hope you join us next week again on Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood podcast. So long and farewell until next week.